All right, everybody, we are here. It is February 12th, 2022. This is Iron Radio. I'm Phil Stevens, powerlifter, somewhat Highland Games athlete, strength coach, run strength field, amongst other things. Good morning. Morning. Uh, this is Dr. Mike T. Nelson, associate professor at the Kerrigan Institute, creator of the Flex Diet Cert and the PhysFlex Cert, and just finished up our last day yesterday here in Sun Valley, Idaho. So got in about four and a half days of snowboarding and yeah, yeah no new snow, but it was bright and sunny most of the days and yeah, super fun. Sweet. This sounds very cool. This is Coach Durrell, the uh, strength guild of the East, Kansas <laughs> uh, <laughs> City area, puts a lot of weightlifting, uh, strength and conditioning, powerlifting, uh, Various things. Former, formerly CrossFit stuff. Yep. So what do we got, guys? I know we're, we got a topic, but let's hit on the uh, Winter Olympics first. Any updates on there that you guys seen? Like I said, the only thing I saw was some dude get hit in the nuts, and I thought that was pretty funny. But <laughs> he was doing like 65 miles an hour and missed his flag, and it went right between his legs, and they had him mic'd up. And, oh, and then he went down, but. Uh, I'll be honest, I'm terrible cool. about the Winter Olympics. Like, I, it's not exactly my cup. But the ones I like the most are like the bobsledding, to be honest. Like, any of yeah, that, that's that, pretty that course is my favorite. Yeah. And they like take strength and power athletes and just have them do it. That <laughs> seems to be kind of what happens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the skeleton one is, I watched part of that last night where you just go, Head first down on what looks like a lunch tray through the bobsled course, even though I know yeah. that's not correct, but that just looks insane. Yeah, that's a, any of that stuff's, yeah, it's scary, but I'm not sure. I'd probably they, try it. But. Don't they get up into like the 100, 100 to 120 miles an hour range? I think so, yeah. Yeah. Something, something like, that. like that. Yeah. Some of the bad. skiers were hitting. 70 miles per hour on a pair of skis coming down a hill, going over jumps where you can't see the other side. <laughs> see, I did that once. My first time skiing. On purpose? Kind of. <laughs> it was my first time skiing, and I swear my dad told me, I was like nine, and I swear he told me, we went to Vail. This was before Vail was huge, but uh, back in the paleo days. And... uh I swear he said, go straight, don't turn. And he says, he said, turn, don't go straight. I fucking just went straight. And I was like, uh, kept in my head. I was oh, like, I was following instructions. And I just went straight all the way down this hill until I hit a little bump. And then it was like full airborne yard sale. Oh, it was amazing. Luckily, I didn't get hurt. I was nine. I was still pretty much made out of rubber. So, yeah, just they were shit all over the mountain. Like, I just kept going. Skis flying, pants coming off. It was amazing. Yeah. Those people are nuts, man. Uh, I'll give it up. Like, I don't follow winter sports a lot either, but uh, a lot of what they do seems a lot more dangerous than summer games. So yeah. The danger factor is much higher, it seems, in a lot of the winter sports, aside from, like, curling. and. Uh, yeah, I think with skiing, like, people forget, too, like, you're going down a hill on a pair of freaking razor blades. Yeah. You know, like, if that comes off, like, was it Bodie Miller, like, had a crash several years ago when he was competing, 
where just this horrific looking crash. You see his skis pop off and it come up near, I think it was like he cut the muscle and the tendon on his inner thigh and oh. just sliced him. I was like, oh. <laughs> yeah. Gee. Yeah. There's a lot more velocities in those sports. Yeah, for sure. I watched the border cross last night, so it was pretty cool that the co-ed team from the U.S. got gold. See, they got some of those cool sports, too, where they're, like, skiing and shooting things. And See, we should win that. That's an American sport. Anything with shooting, we we usually do well in. But what's our medal count? I knew we weren't doing very good on golds. But until one of our ladies, I think, won gold in snowboard cross. Team USA medal count, full list. Um, five gold medals, five silvers, and one bronze. Mm. So we've won silver medal in snowboarding, silver medal in moguls, silver medal in figure skating by the women, silver medal in super G, bronze in country cross, freestyle skiing. That's where they get the big air stuff. Freestyle skiing, big air. Um, gold in snowboarding. See, that seems like an American sport. Snowboarding. And apparently there's not as much. Like, we got our butts kicked in skateboarding because <laughs> all of our athletes were on drugs and couldn't go. But apparently snowboarders <laughs> don't do as many drugs. Um, yeah, more figure skating. So, yeah, it looks like snowboard stuff and figure skating stuff mainly. Some Russian girl got popped for a... Uh, Drugs and figure skating, oddly enough. And they did adjust the metal count. I saw yeah, that. Yeah, I saw up. that. But, see, and as far as I knew, that was like one of the only sports that, uh, like Russia, of course, tested all sports. And that was one of the ones they're like, oh, drugs don't help. Uh, <laughs> one of the few. <laughs> but apparently they changed their minds. So. Was it? Uh, I mean, I'd be curious what it was. I would guess it's probably something like a neurotype drug or whatever, but. Yeah, or something to keep her small. Yeah. Yeah. Popping, she's yeah. popping clan to keep her 87 pounds. So. Yeah. It was actually a drug that in the cardiac system is used to treat angina and some other issues. Okay. And it actually inhibits the use of the cardiac system to use fatty acids and it pushes it to use glucose more. Really? So in terms of a performance enhancement. You could imagine that if you're doing a higher intensity sport where it's a relatively short duration, you should, in theory, get a higher output from your cardiac system because yeah. using glucose is going to be a little bit more efficient than fatty acids. Yeah. So she's probably cramming in fucking Smarties and stuff right before she goes out there. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> loading up on the sugar. <laughs> That's interesting. That would not go. Yeah. So, I mean, hell, that could potentially be something in a. In strength sports, potentially useful as well. Not near distance sports, but yeah, yeah, it's been it's on the WADA ban list because it's considered a metabolic modifier. So gotcha. the, the performance research on it, as far as I can tell, is Spotty. maybe, maybe not. Yeah, but uh, you know, well, at that level, I'm maybe is studying yeah. those types of things. So I would imagine. <laughs> Well, and when you're talking top level like that, that 1% can make up 
make or break you, you know, type of things. Because you're talking about athletes that are all at the top of their game. So <laughs> a small increase can help. But All right, topic of the day. Terrell, you had a question come in that I thought we thought was interesting. We yeah, I'm not sure if it's more of a question or a complaint from my <laughs> lifters, but it's a, it's a, what is the, I would say, what is the relative value of being in shape or well-conditioned as a strength athlete? I mean, for me specifically, it's powerlifters and weightlifters who mm-hmm. have this particular complaint, but because strongman, there is obviously a conditioning element. Yes. So just strength sports in general, what is the relative value of being in shape? How does it serve you? Oh, the first thing that comes to my mind before we even deal into that is in in shape or fit demands a context. Because in shape for every athlete is different. Um, like an in-shape marathon runner is totally different than an in-shape power lifter type of thing. But, uh, and that's like, it comes back to that old, I think it was way back when Charles Staley was on, he talked about, uh, Taranianko and when he like crushed the Olympics and it was with Olympics of the world championship when he did that all time clean and dirt and, uh, they showed him do the lift and then they showed him in like back in the warm-up room and he's huffing and puffing and then like two people go and he's still back there like sucking air and and somebody was like wow he's really out of shape and it's like wait a minute he just like did the all-time clean and jerk so he's in shape for his sport but (laughs) um so that just goes to you know the whole context thing but i don't know i mean it's it's several fold i mean the biggest one i see is I'll I'll just say it from my facility. Uh, being able to finish the training session, I see a lot of powerlifters come in that have, you know, basically lived in the one to three rep range, and like do one or two moves a day, and they come in and they try and finish a workout and they can't. Uh, they just don't. They're they're not in shape enough to finish the workout, and that goes back to way back. Like if you read some of Dave Tate's articles, like becoming a powerlifter when he first went to Westside, and like for a month he just had to drag a sled or whatever it was to get your ass in shape enough to just do the workout. <laughs> so, and you see a lot of that in these sports. They use a lot of people use weightlifting and powerlifting as a an excuse to just be fucking lazy. <laughs> You know, and it benefits you to be able to recover and and things like that. I don't know. What are you guys' thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I would agree. Mike's thoughts. Yeah, I'm, I mean, one thing I started doing, which seems so obvious now, is just doing a simple VO2 max test on new clients. Yeah. You know, I started that maybe four years ago. And you can use a rower, right? You can do a 2,000K in a row. You could do running. You could do a 12-minute Cooper run test if you – Trust them to run. A lot of the bigger athletes online, I don't trust them to run at all. <laughs> so the rower is great for that. And yeah, you need some technique to do the rower, but you know, you're just trying to get it in a ballpark area and you're not going to have that uh, impact loading all the time from running. And like you said, it depends on what they're doing. You know, yeah. if they're trying to compete in cross. So, 
Oh, we lost you now for the first time. You there, Mike? Or the power lifter. You know, 100% of the people tax came back negative. Oops. Um, so if it's really poor, then we probably need to do some work on that to get it back up to where they need to be. Um, they don't need to be in the 60s, 70s, or 80s, like, you know, Olympic cross-country skiers or anything like that. But if it's really bad, it's just going to inhibit all their, their performance because your aerobic system is what you use to recover from training. You could even argue the aerobic system is what's primarily used just at different percentages all the time. Hmm. Yeah, like, I mean, for for us, it's like sled drags. Basically, like, I still subscribe to, I mean, I guess Newly is, I like the, whatever, Ben Patrick or whatever, the ATG guy, his take on sled training, which is like, you know, do it every day, add it in before or after. Mm-hmm. Just as like some basic conditioning. That's all I'm talking. Like that's all I have people do for the most part. And I use I kind of just use track standards like 100, 200, 300, 400, and vary vary the loads and you know whatever. But yeah, I mean the, the main thing is like how well you tolerate training. For me, like that's what I yeah. program extra yeah. conditioning for. And I think it. It's like if you were to take either a rest day or come in and do some like kind of basic conditioning, whether it's drag the sled or, you know, cruise on the bike or something, I'd rather you do the basic conditioning day than an actual rest day most of the time. Yeah. As long as it's not crazy intensity, like don't get under a bar or anything. But, um, and so, and that, and this is just, you drop the conditioning out. It's not like a year-round conditioning program, but you drop the conditioning out the closer you get to, you know, higher-level performance. Mm-hmm. Now, for weightlifting, for us, the game of weightlifting requires you to be at least in decent shape because there's a chance you have to follow yourself on a two-minute clock. So yeah. I mean, you can mess around with the clock and all that or go up in weight, but if there's an opportunity that you have to follow yourself, then, like – you don't have perfect conditions to like make the weight, then I think you should at least train for that to some degree. So that way it is not a fear thing that like, Oh no, I don't, I'm not fully recovered. Yeah. That's not a part of the, the dynamics. Now the higher you get on the list is like the more careful you kind of have to be. But I'll say this. So when we did the, so I did the, like the Chinese way of being seminar. Well, I've done an actual seminar and then like a little workshop with, uh, Lu Jiaojun and uh, Lao Hui, so some of the top guys, and I think they like they run a mile every morning. Really? So yeah, they have to do it with like the youth athletes or whatever, huh. and like because they have to set a good example for the youth athletes. So they're not treated exactly like stars, I guess, but that's a part of what they have to a part of their training essentially. And it might be begrudgingly so, but they. Like maintain <laughs> at least a, a decent standard of, you know, conditioning. I don't know if they had mile times or anything like that. They just said that they had to run a mile every day. Yeah. So, and it doesn't seem to affect his clean and jerk. I mean, he's almost 40 years old, clean and jerking 200 kilos at 170 or whatever he is. Yeah. So. No, and I think a lot of that gets overplayed. Um, I think it's like anything. You know, it gets a bad rap. Yes. Now, I don't need a power lifter to go run out out and run 5Ks all the time. But damn near everybody should be able to go out and jog a mile. And it's not going to hurt you. 
Now, if you've if you haven't done it in years, if I take one of my power lifters and they haven't done it in years, it's gonna fuck them up. <laughs> you know, but that's because they're out of shape. Uh, you know, if they consistently did that, and that's you know, mine's kind of with how yours is. We uh, as we get close to competition, that shit kind of falls off the map. Um, the last month or so, but then right after it, we go into like high volume stuff. And what I like to use on my powerlifters, just because it's more fun, is we'll do strongman stuff in the off season. And it has this benefit of they get some cardiovascular endurance training, and they just get strong in other ways. Uh, that both of those tend to help uh, their sport. And and we're doing even our rep ranges change where we're doing sets of 10 plus and things like that. And that first week of that coming off a meat cycle, like you do a set of 10 after doing nothing but like three of one. It's like, whoo, man, that was rough. And it's your breath at the beginning that stops you um, from finishing the set, from going further in the set. And then as the weeks go on, it starts being muscular fatigue that stops you. Like your muscles are just screaming, you know, your breath is is fine. And that's what I don't want to see. I don't want to see my athletes... Uh, I don't want to see a set stop short because they're huffing and puffing and can't just can't breathe. Uh, that's when I know you're way out of shape. It's you know if you just get muscularly fatigued, like everything's on fire. I'm more okay with that than just being totally out of shape. We have some conditioning and powerlifting, not necessarily between the reps, but those days are long. Like that's a long day to go. Oh yeah. Powerlifting. Do nine lift like yes. So having some decent recovery, you know, won't like you don't want to spend all your money on squats and then you get to deadlift and you kind of just survive deadlift, you know. Yeah, I mean, because you see the average person and it's like, okay, they put in an hour a day here and there, and then they go to a meet and like you said, you got a nine hour day. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of that's a whole different subject. It's learning how to just tune out during the meet. Uh, because Olympic lifting meet, you're just gonna you basically snatch and go right in the clean and jerk, you're done. Um, whereas powerlifting, you're there all day. So a lot of that is also just time management and body management and learning how. Like a lot of my lifters, when they first come, they're like, "Where the hell did you go?" And it's like, "I'll go to my car." Mm-hmm. And yeah. I can't sit there and watch and cheer for everybody when it's my day to lift because I'm just gonna be cooked by the end of the day. You don't realize that shit wears you out too. Um, but yeah. Do you find if their deadlift drops off more that you're going to look at conditioning then possibly? Yeah, I'd say so. Um, if you're just out of shape, because yeah, I mean, squat, yeah. a, you're, all these people are used to that, you know, let's say a one or two hour session. So they're good for yeah. squat. And then benches, I mean, let's face it, you're laying down. You don't need to be in shape. <laughs> <laughs> so, and then, but yeah, after, Let's say seven hours later, you're opening your deadlift and you're just fucking tired, you know, and it's hard to even get up for it for a lot of people. It's hard to get excited because you're so wore out, um, especially those people then that have hung out. And let's say they have a bunch of people on their team and they're out there for nine hours screaming, and yelling for them, too. Yeah, uh, that shit wears you out. Uh, so, yeah, I'd say it's deadlift that, that mostly mostly wears yeah. you out. I mean, that's essentially what I look at with. With athletes who drop, like you have a drop off, I would say if you can get, if there's like a, of your best lift, I would say, or lift expectation. Like, so of, of your best lift, if there's like a, 
10% or more drop on that between the squat and then wherever your deadlift finishes on a competition, that's like a red flag for, you know, some basic conditioning, like just some mm-hmm. basic work capacity stuff. And it doesn't have to be crazy. It's not like you have to do it in nine out. Like for powerlifters, a lot of times, depending on how, how heavy they are, some, like just basic walking can do yeah. wonders, you know. But and I like the sled and that kind of stuff too. So yeah, another one I added in was because I did I was dumb and did Dan John's ten thousand swing thing one year. Ooh. It's been about two years ago, and it was fucking great. You know, it sucked, but after it, I was in pretty good shape. And uh, so one thing I've kept in my thing from that was the ability just to do a hundred swings nonstop anytime sure. I want to, without being gassed, without huffing and puffing, and I'll do that you know, two, maybe three times a week just after a session. Like, okay, I'm just going to grab a kettlebell and do 100 swings. And it keeps me in some kind of shape. Uh, (laughs) And if I start huffing and puffing, okay, I need to get back on this and do it more often type of thing. Uh, But I also have started to build it into our training because I I did see that big drop-off in deadlift and – the weird thing about deadlift versus squat, like if all you ever do is go in and you have a deadlift day um, where you're fresh, you go in, you do your deadlifts, and now you're basing all your meat numbers off that, it's Ooh. an eye-opener when you just had to squat a max and then you had to bench a max, and now you have to do an opener. Deadlift. So I've started adding a lot of most of my lifters now on squat day, we will deadlift after. Probably not our main deadlift of the week, but just the ability to do it and be used to that. Um, for me, it is my main, like my main deadlifts now come, all my main squats and all my main deadlifts are on the same day. But come meet day, it's nothing new to me. You know, all my numbers are based off that, uh, of doing both those lifts in one day. So, I mean, then I'm not surprised. Like, okay. I just squatted 750. Now I need to deadlift 700. I don't know if I can do this. You know, I could do it when I'm fresh, but uh, uh, being used to doing that and being conditioned enough to do both those lifts in the same day is uh, is a big one. And but our our training day is also long. My Saturday training day is like two and a half hours. So and some people just don't give that to their training. Uh, you know, they got the 60 minute. You know, I don't know why, but. Like an hour has become an hour has become like the standard. You know, for a long time, remember the supplement companies. Yeah, remember all the supplement companies. Like, if you're gonna, they were pushing like, if you work out more than an hour, you're gonna die. Yeah, (laughs) you know, there was a big push of that. And and, come on, man, it's not that hard. And I mean, it's a good sign if if you have an athlete that can just go and they're still putting out good effort two and a half hours in. All right, man. We probably got something. You're 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 in some kind of shape. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So. This is the the long term value of conditioning too. Like, and just because I was listening to Lou and Chin Chow the other day talking about pretty much all the good weightlifters on the Chinese team come from rural like farming towns. Like, so they already have a base of work capacity. Like, if you, so if you're like parents who are worried about their kids doing more than an hour or something like that or like not playing like just not doing physical activity is way bigger of a problem than yes 
like, I mean, later down the line, we can kind of fix it and get it back, but there's, that part is invaluable. You see that in, I think it's whatever, there's a, you know, it's a pretty small area of population for, this is like the Finnish deadlifters. Mm-hmm. Right where they, they are, uh, uh, like, kind of, it's like a logging town. And so they like, yeah. basically backwards sled drag logs all day. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so you end up with this incredible work capacity that go, that translate directly to the bar. Like, so it's just the ability to do work and get through. I mean, 60 minutes is not crazy. That is not a hard no training session, you know? Yeah. So. That's the same thing here in the Midwest. When you get some of those kids that have, like, they've grown up chucking hay bales. Yeah. You know, they're in good shape. You know? And you see it's no secret that a lot of those kids are the ones that excel in sports. Uh, because they just grew up doing it. And oddly enough, it didn't kill them when they were a little kid. You know, the physical activity didn't. You know, their growth plates are still intact, you know, but that's a whole different subject. But, uh, you know, they have that basic work capacity and they're able to just keep going. And that's, you know, I'm weird and I know I am. And I get a lot of my conditioning in with farm work because I own a farm. Like it's coming springtime. And so like this afternoon, I'm cutting down three trees and getting myself ready to have a bunch of wood to split. And that'll be a lot of my conditioning come this spring. I go out and for an hour every morning and split wood and things like that. So it's just, it doesn't have to be, that's the weird thing that people don't get. Like I, you won't find me on a treadmill. I can't do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, even a rower. It's just boring as shit. And I would just rather not do it. I will go find something like that. Uh, some kind of constructive cardio or hiking. Get me outside. Um, I would rather hike when it's like negative four then sit on a rower in a cozy environment. Uh, it's just, I can't do it. It's I'm mentally detached and just bored as shit. But it's just fine. It's not that hard. Everybody can find something they don't mind and just do it. It doesn't have to be, like you said, it doesn't have to be backbreaking. You don't have to be huffing and puffing. If for a power lifter, it can be walking. Uh, you know, for me, I'd rather just go hike and go up hills and stuff and, and things like that and be on nature. But and also, I think it changed as I got older. Like, that meet, that last record breakers I did was an eye-opener for me, where I ate up to, like, 290-something. And, like, there's a set of stairs. <laughs> and I was, like, dying. And then I went, and that was the first time in my life, too, that I've never had blood blood issues. Like, my blood pressure was always good. My blood levels were always good. But after that meet, it was like my doctor was like, you're like a cheeseburger away from dying. <laughs> that was a big eye opener for me, and it was like, okay, it's time to get my ass back in shape. Uh, you know, I was arguably one of the strongest I'd ever been, but I was also, like I said, I was, I was verging on taking a big dirt nap. So it's like, it's not worth that uh, when I can do a little bit of this and and be good, you know. So, you know, what? You also find like conditioning is the one thing you have more control over so for example for myself or for you know people i coach even like in you know novice strongman and stuff if i've got say six months and you know they're moderately strong my first thought is i don't want their conditioning to be a limiting factor 
because they've yeah. got a pretty good idea. Most of the medleys are going to be around 60 seconds. Maybe we'll do some training at 90 seconds to make sure. I know that within six months I can get their conditioning up to par where it's not going to be a limiter. There's probably only so much strength in a perfect world we're going to add to their lifts, and, you know, if they're new, obviously technique, et cetera. So yeah. to me, I look at what do they need to do, what are the things we can control, and then what is the rate of response. And I think conditioning is one of those things that if you've got an appropriate amount of time and you've got, you know, some idea of what you're doing, it shouldn't really be a limiter for most people, right? Yeah. I mean, it may take you many years, decades to get your strength numbers to where you want, but, you know, you can take people that are very out of condition and get them into good aerobic shape within six months. I mean, we're not yeah. talking level status here. We're talking yes. where it's just not a limiter. But you, even at some strongman events I've been at, you just see some people after the second event, they're just completely gassed yes. and they're no good for the rest of the events. And you're thinking, yeah. oh, no. <laughs> no, and that goes back to like one of Windler's famous quotes. I'll paraphrase it, but it's basically something along. It, it, it doesn't take a lot to be in decent shape. You know, yeah. just don't be lazy. It just takes some discipline. That's it. If you put in 20 minutes a day or 20 minutes, four days a week, whatever, it, it, that, it just takes a little bit and it can reap big rewards in a quick amount of time. Yeah. Whereas, like you said, strength, like if I want to add at this stage in the game, if I want to add 15 pounds to my squat, that's like a year. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> um, whereas I can get myself, you know, a little bit in shape to be able to handle that training pretty quickly, you know, like the hell I got in good shape doing, I think Dan John's swing thing is like five weeks or six weeks. By the yeah. end of that, I was markedly better fit from doing 500 freaking swings a day, <laughs> you know, four days a week or whatever it was. Um, yeah, it's not that hard. It just takes, you just got to embrace the suck a little bit, you know, for 20 minutes. And if you can't do that, like if if you can't give 20 minutes a few days a week, like I doubt your drive to compete at a high level. You know, it's that's you're, you're talking a little more than an hour out of a week. Yeah. So uh, it's not that hard. And does it suck? Yeah, it's fucking dumb. I don't want to do it. If I could not do it, I wouldn't. But yeah. <laughs> I know the benefits of it. And, you know, so. Yeah. I mean, I use a lot of stuff with the rower, and people are like, oh, you must love rowing. I'm like, not really. I don't yeah, ever no. think I've really liked it. But yeah. <laughs> the tra the for me, the, the transfer is so high that it's just efficient. And for online stuff, I get all the numbers right away, right? So I know where people are at. And then, like you said, a lot of it is just, yeah, it's a physical thing, but it's a, it's so mental, too. If you're doing a 5K, you're trying to finish, let's say, for a newer client in 20 minutes. Like, if you check out for, like, two pulls, like, you're probably not going to hit your best numbers. Uh -huh. You know, so you kind of have to pay attention that whole time. And that's a skill in and of itself, too. Yes. Well, that's, that's a good one to hit on. And that's, like, Matt, have you watched Matt Vincent's, uh, the documentary they did on him? No, right. I haven't watched it yet. I'll have to it's watch it. It's a good one. And oh, so cool. basically he he comes from a pure strength sports background of Highland Games throwing and a yeah. little bit of strong. 
And one thing that he realized, you know, he wanted something to compete in after trashing his knees. And so he signed himself up to run that, uh, I don't know, it was 30, 30 K race or whatever through the, yeah, through the mountains, the mountains or something. Right? Yeah, yeah. It was through some gorge. And one thing he realized training for that was in strength sports, he never had to learn to just embrace the suck and mm-hmm. become mentally strong. Um, and that can feed into strength sports. You know, if you're just, it, it, endurance activity, I think can make you, can give you that mental strength faster than weight training can. Yeah. Um, because you just have to, it's just don't stop. That's it. And there is no just don't stop in weight training because it's all these singles <laughs> and stuff like that. It's, uh, it's win or lose in a, in a, in a few seconds. So, but learning how to, just be mentally that mental fortitude of okay and in powerlifting it's at the end of the day you know in deadlift so like, okay i can fucking do this you know i i've got the capacity to get my mind right and not worry about how tired i am i need to get up and do this and i i think a lot of that that physical training can do that and i think another thing we miss here in this generation is like we talked about with the kids like Darrell was talking about with the the Chinese people on the farms or the loggers and in Finnish countries, we're dealing with a population today that generally they come out of adolescence in horrible shape. They haven't had to work. They don't have that, that work capacity that we had as kids or even more. Our parents had even more than us. You know, it's, it's gone downhill as society changed and become less of a industrial or farming community and more of a, you know, retail community or whatever you want to call it. Uh, kids and young people today don't have that just background of physical activity that they used to. And we need to, we need to find a way to give them that. And it's just basic activity is what they're missing. It's not, it's not their technique in, in weightlifting. It's not singles. It's not sets of five. They don't have years of just, moving and having fun. And I think a lot of that can feed into sports real well. So uh, just having that base built of just yeah. pure physical activity. So as a strength coach, just kind of need to feed that to our people and find a way, find a palatable way that they don't think they're eating peas, they're eating cupcakes. You know? <laughs> <laughs> And that's where you have to get interesting as a coach. Like, if I have an athlete that just hates sled drags, like, despises them, it's like with me on our treadmill, I'm going to find something else they can do. Because there's 10,000 things we can do to make you generally fit. It's just I need to find one that you'll eat, you know, (laughs) and not bitch about it. I thought you were going to go another way with that one. I I make them do it more. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I do some of that. Now, if it's something they need to do, yeah, like I had a girl bitching about, uh, I have a new young lady that works with me and she's like, can I do like this instead of ring rows? And I was like, why? Cause I hate them. No, <laughs> no, you can't. You just need to do it. You know, just, just disliking it. Uh, some basic move like that, uh, that you just like, like she can't do five pushups right. And I make her do pushups and she hates pushups. And it's like, well, we can stop doing them once you're good at them. <laughs> you know, until then, you got to do them because you suck. <laughs> you know? oh, I'm, I'm, there, so there is an end goal. I thought you were like, we'll stop doing them when you don't suck at them. And you're like, yeah. you always will suck at them. So <laughs> yeah, you're you never going to stop. 
Yeah, you don't tell them that. Don't tell them there's no end. Uh, you know, but as far as the conditioning stuff, though, I mean, because like I said, there's there's a thousand ways to skin that cat. Uh, yeah. So and it's not that hard to find something they like, and that's where the strongman stuff seems to come in play, especially with my lifters. They see that as fun. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm carrying things and I'm throwing things and I'm, you know, that's a lot more fun than, hey, go over to that box and do five minutes of step. Oh, that's yeah. fucking boring. That's horrible. Because yeah. <laughs> you know? your mind's not engaged in that stuff, I think, is a big part of it. And that's probably why I like splitting wood and hiking in the woods better because uh, my mind's busy. I'm looking at birds tweeting and, you know, whatever. <laughs> oh, or with the wood, I get to see that pile grow and I feel accomplished. Like when I'm walking up a stairway to nowhere. Oh God! <laughs> That's just defeating mentally. Like I, I have a, a follow up question to this for basically for you is like, so what are your favorite strongman events or exercises or anything that to for powerlifters or weightlifters conversely like the crossover? Is there something you prefer more than other things? Loaded carries I love. I think loaded carries aren't done enough, and I stole yeah. this one straight from Dan John. I think everybody should do loaded carries. And even, like, not just lifting populations. Like, the older people I work with, we yeah. do a lot of that. Um, that shit just transfers so well, especially uh, when you start talking, like, offset loads, uh, unbalanced loads like suitcase carries and things like that um, for strength athletes is big because we don't see in, in, in powerlifting and, and weightlifting, you don't see that unless somebody's stupid and like grabs the bar off where they're not supposed mm-hmm. to, like they're six inches off on their grip. Uh, but that kind of loading can make you strong in a weird way. And that's what I got to tell my athletes. I think I, I immediately did really good in powerlifting because I had the background in cross training first and strongman. So I had bulletproofed myself a bunch and that strength just transferred over to, to the, this more simple movements of, of powerlifting. And I was relatively, yeah, we all know I've had a ton of surgeries, but uh, like I've never had a back problem and things like that. And I think a lot of that is due to that background. Um, my core strength and stuff just skyrocketed. And like, I rarely do ab work now, but when people have me do it, I can still, like, I can still do a on my toes ab wheel and things like that. And it's just my background in doing all this stuff. Uh, I don't have to do it much because I had 20 years of doing it. You know? <laughs> so my time's better spent elsewhere. But I think that loaded carries and then the fun part is mixing things up, doing complexes like we're going to grab those four heavy kegs and run them down here and let's see who can do it the fastest type of thing. But I do the same thing with my weightlifters and like we'll play, uh, just play games with things. And somebody talked about that like with their football players. They, uh, they were having them do sprints and they all hated it. So instead, they started playing, like, ultimate Frisbee at the end of practices. And they're like, the kids would sprint twice as fast because they were mm-hmm. playing a game. So they, that's how they got their conditioning in. They turned it into games and let the kids just go out there and play, and their, their conditioning skyrocketed because they, they 
mentally they were having fun. They weren't conditioning. You know, so find ways that's fun. And that that's why we do. That's really why we do the, the strongman stuff is because they see it as more fun, a fun way to get conditioned. And they push themselves harder because they're having fun. They're not viewing it as, you know, horrible exercise. Yeah. So I, I'm kind of the same camp. I like, I mean, we just have some basic stuff here, but sandbags for some of the carries, definitely farmers and suitcase. Uh, I've, I've been curious, but I don't have, I can't program in my main stuff because I, I just have one log. And so I don't think the girls would be using yeah. one log that I have, but I'm curious about like log training for jerks. Yeah. Like. I, I'm not a huge fan of barbell push press as an assistance work. Like, just it's too close. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, whereas I think the like in my mind, like the log would be different enough and build like support muscles enough that it would actually transfer over and not affect the jerk. Um, if you're doing push presses and like, you uh. know, like the of it, like you don't have to mess with your like your technique on yes, the barbell. Totally different. Won't change because it's yeah. different. You know. So yeah, well, I'm just curious about that. Yeah, well, the log in the freaking rack position too. Like, comparatively, a barbell is like super comfortable. Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. And trying to catch your breath, like the worst thing about the log is not the clean, it's not the press, it's the fucking rack in it, and then trying to get a breath with this yeah. giant, huge metal tube on you. Um, and you're like way back on your heels, leaning back. If you're doing it right, it's just horrible. So yeah, if they get good at that, then they go back to the barbell, and it's like, oh, this is. I'm never gonna bitch about this again. You know, this <laughs> is great. So yeah, and I think a lot of that stuff. I, in my mind, it's just the novel aspect of that makes them do that better because it's just something that's different and fun. Uh, and when you make shit fun. People try harder. You know, people automatically try really hard at things they enjoy. So if you can find things fun for them to do, they'll they'll push themselves harder without you having to. And I'm horrible at this now, and I get worse, and I admit it. Like I am the worst cheerleader for somebody that's being a pussy. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, just leave, get the fuck out. I don't care if you don't want to do it, leave. Because you know? <laughs> this is good for you, and this is this is going to lead you where you want to go. Um, I just have no, I, I'm bad at that now. I used to be much better, but now at like 45, I'm like, get out. I don't care. Suck. It's, it's you that sucks, not me. <laughs> you know, so, but. Would you throw like keg clean and press and like a thick dumbbell one arm clean and press in there as a accessory work that's might be fun and yep. different enough that you don't have to worry about messing up the skill set? That's the one thing I do a lot. Like we have, like say for my powerlifters, of course we always bench, we always deadlift, we always squat, and I, I make them yeah. all press. I make them all press too, just because I've seen like if you have a strict press that's big, I've never met somebody that has a big strict press that sucks at bench. Yeah, um, it just works. And uh, but where I mix it up is all their assistance work. Like it changes all the time, and that's where the boredom factor comes in. Like, well, we got to squat. You're a powerlifter. Mm-hmm. But we can do lunges, we can do keg carries, we can do yoke, we can do this, we can do that. That that constantly changes, like every week that changes. Um, just to keep them, and it's probably more more for fun than anything, 
but uh, that novel stimulus is just different too. So we'll do fat bar. You know, I have fat bar dumbbells. I have axles. I have logs. I have all that stuff, and we just change it up all the time. So even our main move on presses, like I'll have them do log instead, just because, just because, <laughs> you know. <laughs> <clears throat> so. Yeah, I think there's something too. We've kind of lost. I mean, strongman does this a lot, but I think there's a high transfer to heavy when you're properly prepared for it. Um, asymmetric work like a Jefferson deadlift, uh, <laughs> one arm clean and press, like an easy exercise I have clients do to start is just sit flat on the floor with your legs out and then just press the dumbbell oh. from your left arm only, right? Because yeah. if your right side can't contract to stabilize it, there's nowhere for you to cheat because you're, yeah. you're sitting down, you're going to fall over. Or, you know, Turkish get-ups, bottoms-up kettlebell presses, like all that stuff for accessory work. I've just noticed that if you're pretty good at that, like the transfer to your heavy bilateral exercises is pretty high. And yes. I think it reduces your risk of injury, too, and overuse. Yeah. yeah. And you're getting strong in – well, it's like I talked about, like, the reason I haven't been injured. I think you're just getting strong in different places. Yeah. You know, which can <sighs> – Strong never hurt, <laughs> you know. <Yeah>. <laughs> um, like, how many injuries have you heard of somebody like, oh, my lats were too strong, so I hurt myself? No, it doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't happen, you know. Let's get you as sturdy as we can, um, type of thing, and just get out of those movement patterns that we always use. Uh, you know, that same exact movement pattern that can potentially lead to overuse. Um, if we can just change that up slightly, it's it's novel for your body and your mind. So, yeah, and most of the time I find you know people find that as fun too. Yeah, you know you're kind of riding this thin line of like, okay, how can I get them to do the work? I'm not the best motivator, yeah. but they enjoy doing it, so they're probably going to do more of it. Yeah. And then you know, does it transfer? And then yeah. can we still get the specific work that they need to get better? Yeah. And that's just like my football players that, you know, I'm not a big believer in. I think bench press is dumb. It's like the dumbest move out there. <laughs> um, but I let them do it because they all like it. So I'm not going to take that totally away from them. Um, I'd much rather see them press and things like that. But uh, everybody hates press. Like the press is one of the most hated moves in the world because it's, it's hard. Yeah. Uh, but... Uh, you know, so you got to give them a little cake to go with their meat and potatoes, you know, to keep people involved and in pushing their training hard. Like, okay, if I do my squats, then I get to do this fun stuff. You know, I just need to eat the meat and potatoes first. So, yeah. And one trick for conditioning I've used is with people that are even remotely competitive is if they do a 2K, right, they can look at their VO2 max, which has normative data. You can go on the Concept 2 site and you can show them. For their, you know, heavyweight or lightweight, male or female age category, like for people who are doing this, like where do they rate? You know, yeah. are they in the bottom 20%? Are they 50%? Are they 75%? And a lot of times just by showing them those numbers and being like, okay, you know, you're a power lifter, so we want you to hit at least 50% of this group of people. They're mm -hmm. like, oh, wow, I'm at 15%. Well, how do I get better? Yeah. Right? It's like just having a legitimate standard. And then understanding that there's going to be a drop-off, right? Yeah. To go from 20% to 50%, 
yeah, it takes work. It's going to suck, but that's, that's pretty doable. Like yeah. 50% to 75% definitely doable, but you know, for most people now we're talking many months to many years. Yeah. You know, 75th percent to 90th percent. Oof. Yeah. Many years and now you're starting to get so specialized, you're going to start yes. losing this stuff at that point then too. Yes. And that's, that's the problem. But, uh, no, coming back to the original topic about the whole in shape thing, like if you are fit, like take somebody, I would challenge anybody that's just out of shape with a power lifter or weight lifter, six weeks even. Like, concentrate on just getting in shape for six weeks, and then look what it does to your training. Because like we talked about, most weightlifters and stuff don't get by on a one-hour training session. So you're talking 90 minutes or two hours and things like that. Take those three months, get in shape, and now look at what your training's like in those longer sessions. I guarantee you, you're getting more quality work done in those later minutes of those sessions than you were before which is going to feed into just more progress just because you're flat out in decent shape. You don't need to be an Olympic endurance athlete. You just need to be not a slob. (laughs) We're not telling you that, you know, you need to go out and be able to run 10 K's all the time, but you should be able to walk a couple miles without dying. (laughs) And that's, if, if you do that, if you take, if you're one of those people that's severely out of shape, Take a few months, get in decent shape to where you can do a set of 10 without, you know, sitting on the couch for sitting on the chair for five minutes trying to recover. Um, it's going to just, your, all your training is going to get better because you're going to have the ability to recover from it and go again. So you're going to be able to get more of your work into your sport specific stuff than you did before. So, and recover better from it. But, do you guys have a little, Baseline, I knew you talked about kettlebell swings, Phil, but for both of you, do you have a kind of baseline of, you know, where you want to see people reach as sort of um, not really status, but to know when they're good enough? For me, it's in our training. So I look at my lifters while we're lifting, and if we're in those weeks after a meet where we're doing, like, sets of 10 and stuff, and I'll see what stops them Mm. on their, I'm like, okay, we're doing a set of 10. What? Why did they stop? And if it's they're just flat out out of breath, okay, we need to get you in better shape. Yeah. You stop because you just can't breathe. You know, they start turning green and, <laughs> and okay, you're, you, you need better, you know, or, or they just can't finish the workout. You know, we get into, you know, we're never doing loads at the hour and a half mark that are like max. But if you just can't, so if you can't do those easy loads that are prescribed because you're just gassed, we need to spend some time getting you in better shape so you can do that work type of thing. That's what I look at. It's just a personal thing. It's a, I look at the individual and see where they're at and it's like, okay, well, you need to do more of this crap uh, so you can finish your training. Initially, like at the beginning of training, if I'm, it's not necessarily a test or anything like that, but I pay attention to, Snatch and clean and jerk triples. Like, mm. if you are not clean and jerk triple, like a three plus one, three cleans plus a jerk. Mm-hmm. Like, if that percentage is way low, like, you, when we start a cycle, it's like your best triple is like 65% or 70, mm-hmm. like low. Then that's kind of a red flag for conditioning. 
Uh, I will program like I'll program finishers from time to time. It's like a little three round finisher. And my expectation is that those are done, you know, relatively challenging with sleds and swings and stuff, but it doesn't put you on the floor. Yeah. And if I see that, like if I'm seeing that where it's like, holy shit, like three rounds of, you know, some like sled dragon swings and people are like laying down like, holy shit, I've never like, I'm going, I'm dying right now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Then I'm like, okay, this is a red flag. Um, I don't have any full on tests. Like I I try to come up with a, like I used to like the prowler challenge, but I had a better trip for it at the other gym that I had. And so it was like more official. The turnaround here at this gym on the turf is too short. So I haven't come up with a good, you know, sled dragging or uh, like sled pushing test, which that would be my favorite test for my lifters would be something like that. Like, you know, 100 meters with X amount of weight, you know, based on your weight class or whatever. Yeah. Something like that. But I haven't I haven't messed around with it enough on the turf to have something official. But yeah, those are the things I look for is like for weightlifting, it's triples, particularly clean and jerk yeah. triples, like three plus ones. If that percentage is low and it's not, at least you, you're not in the like 80% should be challenging, but doable. Yeah. Like where it's like you do a clean and you stay on the platform, but you just walk around for an hour and then you do, it's like mm-hmm. basically three singles plus a jerk. Yeah. Then I'm, I'm like, okay, this is. You know, and front squats take it out of you a lot. Like, yes. just like the loading the central, the the center. Snatches, I mean, I can live with the snatch not, triples not being high enough, but that is definitely a red flag if you are, you know, missing weights because, like, each subsequent lift gets worse and worse, and you're, yeah. like, sweating by rep three at 50%. <laughs> <laughs> like, <it's not> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, the, the, what I use is <clears throat> very rough. Again, it depends on the athlete, but, you know, for a 2K on a Concept 2 site, you should be at least 50% of the people who log in on that site, right? And that's probably going to cover most people pretty good. And that might even be a little bit high for some people like powerlifters, et cetera. If you want to expand that out a little bit, you know, even for general population, I'd say hit 50% on the 500 meter, the 2K and the 5K, um, because some people will be a little bit more on that power end of the spectrum. So if you throw a 5K in there, that's going to give you a little bit more of that lower end endurance. And then another rough test people can use is do like a high rep lifting, whether it's front squats or even, you know, I've had people do one arm dumbbell rows for 20 reps, left arm, right arm, back to back. You know, that'll get your heart rate pretty high. And then you can measure heart rate recovery. So how fast your heart rate gets back down to a low level. I tend to use the two-minute version. So on that, if I hit 166 on a, let's see, front squat, within two minutes, I'd like to see a drop of at least 40 to 50 beats per minute. If you can do that on different exercises, I'd say you're probably going to be pretty good. Um, so that's kind of what I use for, at least for online clients, because... I don't have the luxury of watching all their sessions, so I can't really tell what they're doing. Sometimes they're okay at reporting it, you know, more advanced athletes are, but if they're new, they're like, I don't know, I was out of breath and everything sucked and my muscles were sore. Like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
All right, guys. That was a good one. Yeah. Fun. Hopefully people got something out of that. Don't be a fat slob that's out of shape all the time. So I'm going to go yeah. squat, cut some trees down. Oh, nice. So there you go. I will catch you guys next week. All right. Later. See you guys. Later. Bye.